It is my delight this morning to, for this series on Staying the Course, introduce to you yet another one of our teaching elders who's going to come and share this next lesson with you. There are three. We have two more. Today is the second. Chad Brady and his wife Marissa and their family have been with us for the past, oh my goodness, seven years I think now, uh, doing a little bit of everything here in this church. They came with humble hearts and just said, how do we fit? Where, how can we serve? And through these years, God has built a very precious relationship with us, and it's become clear that both of them have a wonderful mantle on their lives for teaching the Word of God, for instructing, for mentoring in the things of the Lord. So, again, it's with great delight for me to be able to introduce to you one of our staff elders here, Chad Brady. Let's give him a round of applause. Amen. Thank you. Love you. Well, that was really unexpected and very nice. I'm, I'm blessed by that, thank you. Now, I know he mentioned that the TV here is for our live streaming audience, but did anybody see Don's message last week who was not here? Because it was incredible. Don is here, yeah. It was great, his message. Yeah, for people who were not here, who did not see it, and even for those of you who did, it, it was just awesome. So you had such great feedback. So today, I'm gonna just sit down, and we're gonna watch Don and his message again on TV. All right, that was my lame joke. My one lame joke for this morning. But in all honesty, it was such a great message. Um, the, the points that he made were just very, very powerful. So well done, well done, I, I love that. At the end of that message, he, he lined item three items that are key in being settled, and that's listening to the word of God, examining the word of God, and obeying the word of God. And I stepped back and I got to thinking about this. Well, the word of God, it is not just our Bible. It's not just what he's written, what, what we have to study. The word of God is also what God is currently speaking to you, what he's imparting within you, what he's calling you into. It, the word of God is Jesus, and we have Jesus within us, and we are within him. So we have the word of God within our DNA. And the Bible, the, the written word, what that does for us is it helps just reveal to us what we already have, what we have access to, the power and the authority that we get to walk in. So those three items and what we have are key in being settled. And then he throws out Matthew 6, on seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seeking first the kingdom of God. That was just great. Such a powerful message on being settled in the word of God. So today I'm tasked with, okay, passion what do we do now with our passion? In those days where we are feeling not as passionate as we were before. So what is there to say? Where do you begin? And that's, that was kind of a difficult thing because we've all heard passion before. Right? We've heard it explained as, I'm passionate for God. I'm passionate for the church, for worship. I'm passionate about my family, about my kids. I'm gonna set this down because it's blowing up. I'm passionate 
about my hobbies, about the music that I play, about the movies that I see, the arts, so on and so forth. There's so many different things that people will say they're passionate about. So I Googled it. I said, what is passion? Really trying to narrow it down instead of something that's so large and grandiose to something that is a little more formidable for today. And what I did is I came across a Psychology Today article and there we go. In that article, the very first paragraph highlighted exactly what I was looking for. So I'm gonna read it to you real quick. It's from Julia Moeller, who's a postdoctoral researcher at the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. But in the beginning of this article, it says, everyone has an idea of what passion means. But when we start talking with others about our understanding, it often turns out that different people mean different things when they say passion. Most people would agree that passion refers to a strong motivation mixed with intense emotions. For some people, passion refers to sexual attraction and a passing limerence of one person for another, which is described as a transient state likely to fade away after a while. For others, passion refers to a long-term interest or commitment of a person for a topic or activity that this person pursues through life no matter what obstacle comes in the way. That is what grabbed my attention. So again, passion refers to a long-term interest or commitment of a person for a topic or activity that this person pursues through life no matter what obstacles come in the way. When you look at passion defined, it's a strong and barely controllable emotion. It's a state or an outburst of strong emotion. It's an intense sexual love. It's an intense desire or enthusiasm for something, a thing arousing enthusiasm. That's what passion is defined. Now, if you back away from that and say, what's the opposite? What's the antonym? You have apathy. Apathy is going to be the absence or suppression of passion, emotion, or excitement. It's a lack of interest in or concern for things that others find moving or exciting. Apathy is freedom from emotion of any kind. So my question this morning is for those of us out here, have you ever felt apathetic? Maybe you might be feeling apathetic. Maybe you know somebody who was once passionate, who had a very strong, passionate faith, and something happened, life happened, and that passion dwindled, and they became very apathetic, very lethargic about it to where it went away. So we know what passion is and what it is not for today. But again, I want to go back to passion as being that long-term interest or the commitment of a person for a topic or activity that this person pursues through life, no matter what obstacles come in the way. That's what I want to focus on today with our passionate faith. So do you remember the first time that you had an encounter with the Lord? The first time that it was just a real, real heart connection. What was going on within you? I mean, this could have been the day that you were that you accepted the Lord as your Savior. 
way the day that you gave your life to him completely. This could be a day that you had a healing of a sickness or a disease. Um, you, maybe you witnessed a miracle. I know for me, and I've shared this before, but I had a miracle where I had two discs in my lower back ruptured and herniated when I was 16. And out of nowhere, they were miraculously pulled directly out of the spinal cord where I had pain and just an intense amount that a 16-year-old should not have to carry. And my back, which was described as a 60-year-old back, was then in turn reviewed again, and it was back to a 16-year-old's back. It's just a miracle. So what happened then? What happened when you had that love encounter? Man, that passion, that burning desire within us for more and more, more encounter with the Lord. We want people to experience what we have experienced in those situations. We want people to encounter what we have encountered. We can't help but just share that. It just radiates right off of us. So when we're looking at that passion, and we're talking about really what it was doing within you, typically you hear it referred to as it burned within me, as burning desi- uh, a burning desire. My passion burns for this type of situation, which made me start to thinking about a fire. Okay, so fire, let's, let's look at the details there. It's not discriminatory. It burns whatever, it's, whatever is in its way. It'll consume it all. So our passion burning is similar to a fire. So how many people here have ever created a campfire? Okay, I'm not talking about just throwing some lighter fluid and gasoline out there and seeing what'll happen and running. Some people may have done that when they were kids. But what I am talking about is really just building up a fire. And you look at the process to that. So you have your wood, you stacked strategically so that you can get some tinder and some kindling underneath there, right in the heart and the center of what you are going to burn. First thing you do at that point is you strike your match. And you get down there and you try to get that kindling to catch a flame, which in turn will go and, and engulf the entire amount of wood that you have there. Now, sometimes there's things within the environment that affect how quickly that happens. Your kindling may be wet, may be windy, may be raining, Um, your wood may just be a little damp. And so it takes more than one try, more than one attempt. But eventually, when that catches fire and the, the logs that you have placed in there get engulfed, you have heat radiating all around it. It's just changing that, in that atmosphere that you are in is changed. You can sit back and enjoy it. You can roast your marshmallows. You can do your hot dogs. You can go camping with a really cool guy who makes red velvet cake in your campfire. That was incredible. But you enjoy it. You get that opportunity, and the heat that radiates off of it affects the environment around it. However, if you leave that fire unattended, if you do not feed it, if you do not fuel it, it will eventually burn out. That fire, when it does burn out, it's not an immediate thing, but the first thing that happens is the flames leave and the heat that's just radiating, that's changing the environment around you, goes away, starts to get cooler again. You can look in there and you can see what was once a burning flame is now just a little ember that if a little air, a little wind, maybe you're down there blowing on it, it'll light up a little, but it won't have enough fuel 
to start back up and have that flame again. So eventually it will burn out if you do not attend to it. So the same thing goes for our passionate faith. It, it, it has a direct correlation. We all have encountered moments, or we will encounter moments, where maybe that passionate flame that we have starts to dwindle. Maybe it's something that somebody said. Maybe somebody criticized the way that you worship, what you did, the way that you looked. Maybe you're holding on to an unforgive, unforgiveness in that. Maybe it was a hurt. There's so many different things that can suppress that flame if you allow it to. Or maybe it's just that you no longer want to attend to it and you step back. There's really two options when that begins to dwindle, when that flame of passion begins to wane. The first option is you can step back and we can become apathetic. We can go ahead at that point and, and take what we were once passionate about and step away from it. And we can let that flame burn out. Or we can stand strong in our commitment to it. Those are really the two options. And this last week, Marissa and I were meeting with Pastor Jeff and Nina, and we were talking about this, this whole topic. And Pastor Jeff makes mention of this quote that he just so graciously pulls out of the air and flows right, right through him. And I, I'm, I said, wait, I gotta get this. So I grab my phone, I start to type it again. And I told him I would quote him on this today. But Pastor Jeff said, when passionate feelings wane, it's a passionate commitment that will keep you in it. When passionate feelings wane, a passionate commitment will keep you in it. I thought, I thought that's great. That's tweetable. That is, that is just an awesome quote, and I'm going to run with it. But then we started to unpack that. And we thought, okay, really, what, what is that passionate commitment? If our passion is starting to, to wane and it's going away, what's our passionate commitment? What does that mean? What is the meat behind that? And as we talked a little further, it became more and more clear that this is all based on our identity and who we are. Your identity is defined as the fact of being who a person is. So where do we get that? Where is that derived from? Some will say it's their career. It's what they do. Others will say it's their family. It's the role that they play. Some will say it's those that they associate with where their identity comes from. Some will say it's what society has ascribed to them for their identity. You know, there's even individuals who say it's, it's the instrument I play, the art that I, that I create, it's the sports that I play, on and on. And they describe their identity, but it's really just a function of what you're doing. It's really not the truth of who you are. However, when you have that revelation in Christ of your true identity, who you truly are, that's when you really know your identity. It's not just a function. It is the truth. And, and we look at that truth. Christ has ascribed an unsurpassable worth 
over each and every one of us. An unsurpassable worth. In Christ, our identity is the foundation that helps us stay the course. In Christ, it's our identity that is our purpose. And when that is fully manifested, that is us bringing heaven to earth. So in Christ, that is what our identity is. And it's imperative that we know that. For our, out of our identity is where our passions flow. And it is our fa- firm foundation. Marissa and I were talking about identity a while back. And we got to talking about the, the difference between, you know, when you affirm in who Christ has called you out and, and what he has said and what he has declared over you versus the identity that sometimes we fall back to. You know, it's easy in life to, to miss it at times. Nobody's all, n- nobody is always on. I mean, let's, let's just be honest. Nobody's always running at 100%. So there's the times where you're running in an identity that is not necessarily who you are. It's not the truth behind that. And the passions that start coming out of you are not the true passions of you. I mean, it, sometimes it may be good stuff, but when the going gets tough and you're not in your identity, the things that start flowing out of you is ugly because that's not who we are. That's not who we're called to be. But when you know and you have that revelation in Christ and you are walking firm in your identity in him and what he says that you are, who he says you are, that's when you're walking in your power, your authority, your life, the passions that are flowing out of you at that point in time are truly life-giving. So our identity is a foundation, and it's from that identity where our passions flow. So being that we all are human, and we're all not hitting 100% all the time, how do we reaffirm, how do we get back on track to knowing who we are? How do we reaffirm our identity? I think the first thing that we do not do is create a list of steps to take to go ahead and get back on track. The last thing we need is another religious process. We don't need the motions to go through. That's the last thing that you want. Instead, you step back and say, I am settled. I am settled on the word of God. I will listen to the word of God. I will examine the word of God. I will obey the word of God. Again, that's not just your Bible. It's the fact that Jesus is in you and we are in him. So I'm gonna go back to my identity of who I am and who he has said I am. And that's how we go about reaffirming. So we become settled in the word. Because it's not just what is being said over you. But it's the truth and that realization of who we are, what we already have, and how Christ sees us. Just as you attend to a fire, you need to attend to those truths. If you look at 2 Timothy 1.6, it says, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you 
through the laying on of my hands. To fan into flame the gift of God. It's just like those embers. Once the wind hits that, once you get, are down there and you're blowing and you have put log on the fire and you're underneath there and just really gently stoking that, it catches fire again. You fan it into flame. You also, in Hebrews 10, 24, you let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So it's not just you fanning your flame. It's stirring each other up. This is where you have friends speaking life over you. This is where you are the friend speaking life over somebody else. It goes both ways. We're all in this together. So why not call out the gold and say, no, that is not who you are. This is your identity. You draw that out. You don't sit back and say, poor me. I'm gonna fan the flame of this poor, hard moment that I'm in. Or I'm gonna talk bad about this person because they're being so cruel and mean to me. No, you're gonna fan into the flame the truth of what God has called out. Not just in you, but in them. And say, that's not who God has designed them to be. And I will not declare that negative aspect over them. But I'm gonna speak God's truth that they are full of love, they are full of grace. I mean, everybody has that DNA of Christ within them. Whether they've come to that realization at this point or not, it is there. So we just need to call it out. So you fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. You have friends who are gonna stir up one another. And then you start just declaring your identity. You go to the, to the beginning. Actually, no you don't. You go to Romans 8, 14 verse 17. I think I'm missing a verse here. Well, what you do, yeah, it's, I'm not seeing it here. So what you do is you go to Genesis 1. And you read about God creating the heavens and the earth. And you look at God creating man and woman in his own image. That is, I mean, the creator of the universe. That is who, who crafted us together, who, who built us, who created us. There's truth in that. I am more than just a being. So then you go to Romans 8, 14 verse 17, and you say, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And then you go further down in Romans 8, and it continues. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Again, we're, we're talking to our identity. We're calling out that power, that, that, the truth of who we are. So if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? That's us. 
It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? When things are tough, what's gonna separate us? When work hits, when life hits, when kids hit, when anything hits, what's gonna separate us from that love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. So going back to identity, that's it. We are more than conquerors. Now, I have a handout if we can help get this out to everybody. And this handout, this is my copy here, is an identity declaration. And this identity declaration is pulled directly from the word of God. It is the truth of who we are. So when things are going rough and you're feeling down and you need to stoke that fire again, when you need to provoke it, when you need to call out the good, the gold that is within you, you can go through, you can find the scripture, We put it all together here on a sheet of paper for you as well just to declare over yourself. When everybody gets their copy, I just want to go through this because this is powerful. This is something that's utilized to to just really call back into focus who I am. So this is an identity declaration. It says, I am a child of the king. I have been adopted into the family of God with full rights and privileges. I am perfectly loved by my heavenly father. I have received Jesus as my forgiver and my leader. He has redeemed me from hell. He has given me a new destiny. I am saved by grace through faith and not my own works. Jesus delivered me from the domain of darkness. He transferred me into his kingdom. I have been forgiven of all my sin. I am fully acceptable to God. I am a co-heir with Jesus. All Jesus bought and paid for is my inheritance. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. He has triumphed over them through his shed blood on the cross. Jesus now has all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus has authority over sin. He has authority over sickness. He has authority over death. He has authority over the world. He has authority over the devil. I am united with Jesus. Jesus and I are one. I have been crucified with Christ. I died with him. I was buried with him. I was raised with him. I am seated with him in the heavenlies, far above all rule, all power, all authority, and above every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Because I am one with Jesus. I am perfectly righteous. I am completely holy. I am a saint. I will live above sin. Because I am prone to do righteousness, I am prone, I am not prone towards sin anymore. I am a new creature. The old is gone, the new has come. Because of my oneness of Jesus, I carry the authority of Christ. 
I have authority over sickness, over sin, over the flesh, over demons, over the world. I can resist the devil and he will flee from me. I will displace the darkness. I have the full armor of God. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. I will not live in fear. My trust is in the Lord and the power of his might. I can live a victorious life. I am not a victim. You are not a victim. I am not a victim. I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ. I will overcome in this world because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. That's identity. And that is a good reminder on those days that you're not functioning at 100%. Calling out the truth there. So today's message is on passion, and we've been talking a lot about identity. But this is where identity comes back um, to passion, because our identity is our foundation. And it's from that foundation of our identity where our passionate commitment, our passionate faith comes from. Out of the truth of your identity flows your passionate commitment, your passionate dedication, you are settled. Once you are settled, you then stir up your passion, you feed it and you attend to it. You fuel that fire so that the flame burns. It may take a bit of work. Sometimes the environment is not conducive to that fire, but you still stay at it. You still put in the effort and that flame will rise up again. You know, Reinhard Bonnke, the evangelist, he refers to his walk with the Holy Spirit, with his relationship with the Holy Spirit as if he's just drenched in fire. And you really think about this. If you were on the edge of a pool and you just jumped in, all the way submerged, and you got out, head to toe is just drenched. Your hair, your shirt, your pants, your shoes, your unmentionables, Everything is wet. You start taking a step and what happens? You're gonna see those footprints behind you. You see the water just dripping off your body and when you're wet like that, the drip water, drops of water start flinging off your toes when you're walking. So everything that you're doing is starting to throw these, these little drops of water. Now imagine that being your passionate flame. What that is going to do to the environment around you. Fire consumes. It's not discriminatory. It'll burn whatever's in its way. So I want my passion to consume. I want my passion to spread. I don't want it just to be a little, little flame contained. I mean, this little light of mine, no, 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 it's huge. It's huge. Let it burn. We're gonna hide in our bush. It's gonna light that bush on fire and grow even more. That's, that song drives me nuts. Anyway, it's big. It is big. So I want my passionate feelings when they begin to wane, when they begin to dwindle, and I'm faced with the two options of either stepping back and starting to become apathetic. I don't want that to happen. I do not want to fall into apathy. I do not want to leave that passionate flame unattended. I do not want it to just burn out on its own. 
I did not want to just fan one little log and not fuel it because eventually it'll go out. What I want to happen is when that happens, when it starts to wane, is I want my passionate commitment, the truth of my identity, let's start calling that out, stirring it up, reaching out to people who will stir it up within me. I want them to help call out that gold within me. I want to affirm my identity. I want to stir that up. I want my passion to burn. I want it to be known as that lifelong commitment that I pursue through life no matter what obstacle comes in my way. No matter what, through life, that's what I want to happen. So, takeaways with this identity declaration, I would definitely keep that handy because when you start reading that over and you start declaring it out, no matter what's happening in your day, what's happening in your life, that's a great way to get back to that firm foundation of who you are and that passion flowing out of you. Do we have time? 11.07, okay. So, with, exactly, exactly, I'm efficient. But with that, I mean, we laugh, we laugh and everything, but, uh, you know, life happens and passion dwindles and everything. So we just want to declare over each and every one of you in here today, over everybody out there live streaming with us, that you are loved. That's who we are, just like the Good Good Father song saying, I'm loved by you, by a good, good father. So there's truth in this identity that that is who you are. You are loved by Christ. You are loved by the creator. And I just declare over you now just a new increase desire for your passion, a new step, a new approach to your day-to-day life, that your identity comes from Christ and not a function of what you do on the day-to-day. So Heavenly Father, we lift up everybody and we just declare over them the truth of your word, the truth of who you are within them. And God, we just pray for this passionate flame, this passionate desire on being settled on the word of God. And we just call out over each and every one of us a new, new flame to burn for you. In your name, amen. I love you. Love you. That was outstanding. (laughs) Don, yours last week was just outstanding. We've received so many comments. Before our live stream audience leaves us, I want to say that you were co-crucified with Jesus. You were co-buried with Jesus. And you were co-resurrected with Jesus. I love what Chad said this morning about, and talk about tweetable. I don't know if you own this, but he said, uh, your passion flows out of your identity. 
or your purpose. Knowing your identity defines your purpose. You will know your purpose. You will be able to pursue your purpose when you understand your identity. Part of our purpose here is to introduce people to an experience with the presence of God. That's not limited to this geographical location or the seats in this building, but right where you are right now, the presence of God is moving. You've heard the word of the Lord. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So faith right now has risen up in your heart, faith that you can exercise to receive. So I want to pray with you before we sign off. I want to pray that if right now you're sensing in your heart, you just, you don't have that identity. You're not aware of that identity. You've been missing something. Maybe you've fallen away from the Lord. Maybe you've never made an initial passionate commitment to Christ. Well, I want to pray with you that you would do that this morning. For those of you that have already done that, you've made a passionate commitment to Christ, but you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray in just a moment. And that part of that prayer, I want you to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Maybe this morning you're needing healing, a touch in your physical body that would deliver you from something that you've been struggling with. That's available to you right now because the presence of God is what takes care of all of those things in our life. It's the presence of God that sets us free, that delivers us, that saves us, that baptizes us. You ready? Let's pray. And congregation here, would you just pray this out loud as your own prayer of faith as we join those who are praying by live stream. You don't need to close your eyes. You can look right at the television set. If it helps you to close your eyes, fine. But let's not be religious. God's with you right there. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you. Pray it, congregation. Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I turn my heart to you. Where there not, hasn't been passion, restore it. Jesus, I believe you died for me. I accept you now as my personal Savior. I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me in the power of Almighty God. I receive you, Holy Spirit, in your fullness. Now, lay your hand on whatever area of your body that might be you might be struggling with for those of you right now by live stream that you might be struggling with put your hand on that area father god i receive right now through the precious stripes of jesus that he bore for me deliverance from this pain this sickness this disease right now be healed by the power of jesus name amen we want to encourage you to get in a good local church wherever you're at. That's so foundational to you maturing in God, to having a strong walk with God. And uh, certainly we would never ask you to give of the tithe that belongs in your local church to any ministry outside of that church, not your tithe. But now offerings is another thing. Jeff, could we please put that up on the screen? Jim, if you would shoot this uh, here on the screen, it's the only place that we have it right now. For those of you that have joined us via live stream as we prepare to leave, if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, 
about the possibility of joining us here at Genesis in our vision and supporting it financially, here's how you can do that. Would you look right here behind me over my shoulder? Text the word GIVE to the phone number there, 720-463-1515. Just text the word GIVE. It will guide you through a series of screens in everything you need to do. Write down the amount, record the amount, type in the amount. Choose the fund that you're giving to an offering. And then uh, follow the screen for the prompts about entering the information that it needs. And it only needs that once. The next time you give, it won't require all of that, all right? God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you for joining us once again. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.